0: This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode is brought to you by Puffs. Some people are born to save the world from an evil wizard, and some people sit next to those people at magic school. Puffs, the off-Broadway play, is their story, which Mashable called, quite simply, hysterical. Now playing at the Electra Theater in New York. Tickets and more at puffstheplay.com. Save 10% on your ticket order by using code MugglePuffs. And by CanvasPeople.com. Don't let your photos on your phone go to waste. Turn your favorites into beautiful canvas prints for your home. Visit CanvasPeople.com and use code Muggle to get a free 11 by 14 photo canvas. Just pay shipping. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 316. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And we have a guest joining us this week, one of our patrons and one of our Slug Club members. James, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, hi there, hi there, Andrew. Hi, Eric. Hi, Micah. Hey, everybody.
0: Hey, we. Uh, I met you at LeakyCon last October. I I personally delivered James's shirt to him, his MuggleCast <laughs> <Michael Cassidy> T-shirt. <laughs> he was like, "Don't mail it. Uh, I will just give it to me in person." I was like, "Save twenty dollars? Sure, I'm in." So yeah, we that, that's, that.
1: I'm just trying to save you. I'm just
0: trying to save you money, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> i owe you a pint where we're in we're in england are you
1: uh around the london area
0: okay cool have you seen
1: cursed child uh, i have yes yes i have what do you think of it yeah oh it was so good mm-hmm. yeah um yeah saw it. i saw it a few months ago um didn't um the only problem with it was uh the actor that played scorpius we actually had an understudy that day
2: oh, oh no. no um
1: but i mean he was i mean he was great he was just as good but everyone just says how phenomenal Anthony Boyle was, and that was the one day that he wasn't there.
0: Mm-hmm. Was it the understudy who signed my copy of *Never Severus*? Do you remember? I think it was. Name? Yeah, I think okay. it was. I think it was James. James, yes, yes, that's him. Yeah, he
3: signed my book. Was uh, <laughs> in, in more uh, important news. Was the owl still there when you saw this?
0: <laughs> um,
1: no. N- no, it was a. Um, it was like a projection on the wall uh, when we saw it. <laughs>
0: Micah, the owl showed up once and I was yeah, there. Yeah, The owl part. was
2: only Never ever once. Again. I think we I think he knew that when he asked uh, of course I know they, that. They it's, a running that joke.
3: Owl. it's supposed to be a running joke on the show. <laughs> that come on. The owl was fired.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they let him freeze. He's, he's living a nice life in the English countryside right now. Free Dors, of dorset being sure.
2: Dorset sure, sure
0: sure.
1: Yeah, they they sort of had an animation of an owl that just all went whoa, whoa, and just flew away.
3: And um, yeah, it was literally the, it
1: was literally a second long. So. And
3: this thing won nine awards, and that's the production value you get. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so James, something we're doing with each of our listeners who come on the show is we want to get your fandom ID. So, we we'll just ask you some quick questions here. What's your favorite Harry Potter book?
1: Uh, oh, Curse Child, definitely.
2: Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> All right, goodbye. You're fired. Is, are you, <laughs> is that a joke?
1: <laughs> no, uh, no. I um, I, I really like um. Either book three or book six, I think. Either either one of them.
0: Cool. Okay. Favorite movie?
1: Uh, Hufflepuff Prince, I think. Um, it sort of it sort of depends on what mood I'm in <laughs> on the day, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really like movie six.
0: Yeah. Okay. How about character? Uh, Snake. R.I.P. What's your Hogwarts and Ilvermorny houses?
1: Okay. Um, Hogwarts house was Hufflepuff, and then I took the Pottermore test when they launched the site again, and I was Slytherin.
0: Huh. so oh. i
1: just cheat and say that i'm a slither puff
0: there you go <laughs> <laughs> at LeakyCon, somebody was selling the those uh merged houses hybrid house yeah i got one <laughs> yeah
1: oh you did yeah Perfect. yeah
0: <laughs> um and what's your overall morning house uh pug i'm so sorry <laughs> uh what's your patronus
1: uh ada a snake and ada yeah oh
0: i hadn't heard that one before and, uh, random question. What's your favorite rock song? Wizard Rock song? Uh, w- Wizard
1: Rock song. Um, I think it's got to be End of an Era. and um, that one yeah. came around a lot when, um, when the final film was coming out.
0: Not, and uh, not any of mine. You, n- <laughs> don't let it be July. I thought that was a very touching. Oh, tune.
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, actually, um, at LeakyCon, when we were, uh, when I went for breakfast summer, they actually played that song in the, um, in one of the cafes that we were in. And I was like, oh, yeah. No. <laughs>
0: What are you talking really? about you they played bye 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 or don't let it be dry oh, no, b- bye 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 <laughs> oh okay <laughs> i was gonna say oh my god and i was like oh that's that, horrific oh,
1: that reminds me of the mogul Pass song
0: <laughs> <laughs> if i was there i would have stood up and done a dramatic performance <laughs> you've left it.
2: your mark andrew <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway it's good to have you on the show here james cheers, cheers thank you feel free to uh jump in and uh you know whenever you want to say something on today's episode don't let us don't let us get in the way so we're going to talk, we have one new story we want to talk about today, and then later in the show, Eric, what are we talking
2: about? We're talking about, so we're continuing our discussion uh, of the Fantastic Beasts Blu-ray special features. Remember, previously we talked about the deleted scenes and the main, uh, what was it, the, the fantastic, magical, the main featurette. But today we're talking about the uh, both Beasts uh, creatures and design featurettes. I went out and bought a Blu-ray player again. <laughs> no.
0: did you really? Yeah. I bought the digital version. No, no, no. Oh. I bought the digital version.
2: <laughs> well, it's it's actually cool that they have the the bonus features on digital now. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, yeah, because I do have some thoughts on that.
0: Uh, so, one news story we want to talk about today. This happened in the in the past week. Universal is finally, Universal Orlando is finally doing something extra with their Wizarding World theme parks. They have announced a Christmas spectacular, if you will. They write As night falls, a magical holiday transformation of Hogwarts Castle will take place right before guests' eyes. Incredible state of the art projection, mapping, and special effects will wrap the iconic castle, bringing holiday spirit and memorable Christmas moments from the Harry Potter series to life like never before. In addition, there will be festive decor. Like ornate garlands will line the streets of both Hogsmeade and Diagon Alley. Each storefront will be decked out with uniquely themed decorations and guests will enjoy special holiday themed food, drink and entertainment. So Christmas is coming to Hogwarts. It sounds pretty awesome. They do something like this at Disney, don't they? Yeah, they do. This is kind of Disney-esque where they the hot thing right now in theme parks is projection mapping. (laughs) <laughs> and they do this at Magic Kingdom and Disneyland. They 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 have these really high tech projectors that make the castles come to life, really, uh, with projections. And now Hogwarts is going to be doing this too. Now, when Wizarding World Hollywood opened up, they did projection mapping on the castle for the grand opening event, and that was really cool. I I raved about it on the show when it when it happened. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's video online. You should definitely watch it. Um and and there have been rumors since then that they're going to turn that into a nightly show as well. They really should. It it would be crazy if they didn't. Mm. So, yeah, but it looks like Universal Orlando may be the first one that's out of the gate. It feels a, a little bit
3: overdue. I know we've we've talked about it a lot on uh, yeah. on this show, more so as it relates to Halloween, which I think a number of uh our patrons uh chimed in about doing something there as well, just given the significance of the holiday, but uh I, I really think that this is going to be something that uh people are going to enjoy. They're probably going to schedule their vacations around it uh if they weren't already yeah. planning to do so. I know Orlando is a popular destination uh in the uh the winter time for most people here uh in the northeast. They like to go down there with their families and and have fun. Mm-hmm. So uh escape the cold. Just, yeah, parks know, are less crowded. Uh I want uh those at the uh at Universal just to make sure, right? Um, I want to know where the uh, menorah is going to be for Hanukkah and in what part of the park. <laughs> and you know, if they're going to get somebody as Anthony Goldstein to role play and to light the menorah, I just I want to make sure we're in, we're inclusive here.
2: Yeah. Happy I, Passover, Micah. Happy Easter. <laughs> I feel like plans to do a Christmas thing were were existing from the beginning. I seem to recall. A couple of years ago, hearing from someone that, you know, there were plans to do a big tree and wreaths and, and, you know, all sorts of things, but they never materialized. And this, Mm. the park opened in 2010. So this is, you know, seven years later uh, that they're actually able to get these plans um, to come to fruition. And I I wonder if it won't, in fact, be all-inclusive as a result of that. You know, like Hogwarts celebrates Christmas in the way that, you know, sort of celebrates the winter holiday. Um, the trees and everything right. are more pagan than Catholic uh, or Christian. But, um, you know, I wonder if sort of if they're either going to celebrate all religions specifically no. or just do a mishmash <laughs> of like trees <laughs> and wreaths not. and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Christmas. Um, Sorry, Micah, but I'm really excited <laughs> for the food. I'm really genuinely excited for the change in cuisine uh, from the, both the three broomsticks and the uh, Leaky Cauldron to find out what the the new food will be. I'm really interested in that. I want a red and green butterbeer. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. <laughs>
0: that would tasty. be really cool,
1: M- M- Mrs. Weasley's Christmas roast. I don't know. Yeah,
0: there you go. Uh, they, um, I remember a few years ago they just had like these lame wreaths on on a couple of the doors at Wizarding World, and like mm. that was it. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see them doing something. Should, uh... Universal Japan, by the way, has actually they announced a Halloween event. Ooh. Um, that happened last year for the first time. They're they, it's almost like they're like the test ground, and then they bring
3: this stuff back to America. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, what
0: we're we gonna say Micah.
3: No, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, a big Santa hat on top of the dragon in uh, Diagon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what is this, the Lego game? <laughs> Maybe you can have some, like... How about on top of Hogwarts castle?
3: Yeah, well, that too. You, you can have some roast yeah, reindeer, cool. when you know, like, every couple of minutes where the dragon <laughs> oh, blows. God. Uh,
2: fuck, yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking, yeah,
3: I... you know, I'm, I'm giving ideas. I'm giving ideas. Yeah.
2: <laughs> just spitballing. That's all.
0: Well, we asked on Patreon, uh, in light of this news, what... Um, are you planning on making a trip for the holidays and what other celebration should the Wizarding World add? Mm -hmm. Seth is planning on making a trip. He says, planning on going back to the park this Christmas with my mom. So this makes me even more excited to go back. Juliana says, I'm planning on going. My friend and I went to the park to celebrate our pharmacy school graduation nearly two years ago and have been constantly talking about going back. This was the perfect reason to go back. Wow. We're going to wear our custom Weasley sweaters. Can't wait.
3: Love it. Micah, you want to read these other ones? Yes. Yeah, so as far as some other ideas, we heard from Cody, who says, Halloween Halloween has always played a big part in the Potter books, and it would be cool uh, if they did something with it. Uh, Amanda agrees. Uh, she would love to see it all decked out for Halloween. Halloween seems to be around the center of a lot of events throughout the series, and it would be entertaining to see, or they should decorate it for Valentine's
2: Day, like Lockhart did to the Great Hall. <laughs>
1: oh, that's a good idea, yeah
2: you know the the interesting thing about Halloween is Universal does Halloween horror nights uh where you know events in the park there's special areas that are set up like haunted houses and things, and it it would be amazing if that did stretch to the potterland
3: hmm
2: that would
0: be
3: cool that would be cool.
0: Mm-hmm. They haven't announced anything like that though, so
3: Ali says uh, I think it would be great if they introduced a September first event. Uh, with Kings Cross and the Hogwarts Express, there, why not include a start of term event to get us back to Hogwarts each year? There could be the 11 a.m. train ride with the sorting and the beginning of term festivities. Just a thought.
0: Whoa, that would be super cool. But um, isn't celebration of Harry Potter when is that? Is that in September? January. January. I'm wrong. Every year. January. Yeah, end of January. Maybe they should move that to September and do it, <laughs> do it I mean not I think they do celebration of Harry Potter in January because it's a slow period in the theme parks yeah, but that'd be cool it's
3: a cool event to time with the start of the new term. Mm-hmm. I agree and uh, Stephen responded to what Amanda said earlier that uh, Halloween and Valentine's Day are good suggestions. Fourth of July would be cool that way they would be using Fred and George's products as fireworks. Uh, But that doesn't mesh with the Wizarding World. It's
0: set in England. Yeah, Tessa says, Halloween... Bad idea, (laughs) Steven. Just just crushing
3: his dreams. (laughs) Get out of here. Kicking you off, Patreon. (laughs) Uh, Tessa, Halloween would be cool to see since it's so significant in the books, and I'm not sure what, but I think they should have something special on July 31st.
2: Hey, there you go. We can take Stephen's idea of doing fireworks in July, save it for the end of the month. Fred and George can be celebrating Harry Potter Day. All right. Yeah. Or how about New Year's at Hogwarts? Yeah, New Year's at Hogwarts.
0: You don't. You. you I, how about Hanukkah at Hogwarts <laughs> with
3: fireworks? <laughs> yeah i yeah. mean michael will emcee yeah there you go i mean you could use fireworks really for for any holiday if you wanted to right i mean i feel like don't they do yeah. fireworks every night at universal don't they don't they have that cool like uh, at disney they do
1: yeah a, a friend and george fireworks show would be good um would be good to that see, would actually.
0: be yeah that'd be perfect mm-hmm. Yeah, today's Easter. I'm I'm gonna see a fireworks show tonight. Are you really right, Micah? Fireworks? No. (laughs) (laughs) He has risen.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, finally, Alex (laughs) says it would be really cool to do a couple of small celebrations for Wizarding holidays: Merlin Memorial Day, Hogwarts Founding (laughs) Day, those sorts Uh of things that wizards would celebrate, but Muggles would have no idea about. Maybe J.K. Rowling uh, could come up with a few holidays and publish a little bit about them somewhere uh, in an encyclopedia, perhaps. Yes. Oh, I see what you did there. Never forget. Keep pushing.
0: We'll get it. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everybody, who uh, came up with those contributions. Uh, we're going to get into our main discussion in a moment, but first we want to remind everyone that today's episode is brought to you by Puffs the Play. Micah, you saw Puffs the
3: Play. Can you give us a brief rundown? Puffs is a off-Broadway play uh, that follows uh, the story of a young Hufflepuff student all the way through uh, his seven years at Hogwarts, uh, which happened to uh, coincidentally correspond with uh, a trio that we know a little bit about. He himself forms his own trio and uh, it's very lighthearted uh, comedy, some serious moments in there, but I think it's a, a play that all Potter fans uh, will enjoy. Uh, so if you're in the New York City area, you happen to live here or you're visiting in the next few weeks or months, I definitely recommend uh, checking it out. Uh, you'll have a lot of fun.
0: You can save 10% on your order, a special deal f- for MuggleCast listeners. Just go to puffstheplay.com and you can use the code MugglePuffs. M-U-G-G-L-E-P-U-F-F-S. <laughs> we also have another sponsor this week, a new sponsor, CanvasPeople.com. CanvasPeople lets you take photos from your iPhones and print them in a large size on a canvas, obviously, as their name would suggest. I got to use this, actually. I, uh, I have a dog. I love my dog. He's about four years old. But I don't have any pictures of him, like for, on the wall or anything. And that bums me out. He's a very photogenic dog. I love I love taking pictures of him. So Canvas People came along, and they let you take any of your photos. And the nice thing is iPhones are so good these days. You can take a, f- a picture on your iPhone and use it to create a high-quality Canvas print. So I went on CanvasPeople.com. I printed out an 11 by 14 It came in the mail a few days later. And now I have a beautiful picture of my dog by the lake, Big Bear Lake in California, shot on the iPhone. Again, the iPhones take such nice pictures these days. It just worked perfectly. Canvas People, they have a very easy-to-use photo to Canvas service that takes your favorite photo memories and turns them into beautiful artwork. So instead of snapping that beautiful photo and letting it go disappear deep into your cell phone, you bring that photo to life. Again, it's very easy to use. CanvasPeople.com. We will get you a special deal. Good time to do it right now, by the way, because of Mother's Day coming up. Maybe you want to uh, get a photo printed oh, for the mother yeah. in your life of the family. Normally, 11 by 14 canvases are priced at sixty nine ninety nine, but for a limited time offer, you can get one free canvas. 11 by 14 canvas. You just got to pay shipping. Use code oh. Muggle. M-U-G-G-L-E. Yeah, and by the way, like, when I got my canvas, it came in the mail really quick. It came with another great coupon in there. So, like... I'm already thinking about the next one that I'm going to (laughs) buy.
2: Yeah. It's a slippery slope.
0: It is. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Canvaspeople.com. Use code Muggle. And we thank them for their support of the show. So, moving on now. uh,
2: Eric, let's talk more about the Fantastic Beasts Blu-ray special features, etc. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, uh, let's begin by talking about creatures. Yay. Uh, It wouldn't be Fantastic Beasts. Well... Yes, there's also a house of dis- discussion to be had um, at another time. Didn't but, he snuff it uh,
3: already at six six six?
2: This is 1926, man. Oh, oh, he's 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 a young <laughs> snuff it young
3: snuff man it. about town. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't saying? say he's young. He's probably what about five something at this point. Uh, I I just okay. Don't that's know.
0: besides the point. Sorry, besides
3: <laughs> creatures. What
2: you ruined my before. intro, Micah? Well, they're called beasts, not creatures. But go ahead. Okay, well, okay, the DVD, the Blu-ray subtitle thing for the category said Creatures. So that's (laughs) why I'm calling them Creatures. Anyway, what would Fantastic Beasts be without the Beasts? You mean the Creatures? The Creatures. It would just be Fantastic. It would be, be, uh, in my opinion, less Fantastic. So look, the thing is, um, the Fantastic Beasts Blu-ray put together about 25 to 30 minutes of uh six or seven different segments on each of the beasts uh or or main beasts, as well as a um preliminary intro uh uh featurette here, uh which says Meet the Fantastic Beasts. Now, I wanted to go through because there's actually I you know, I was thinking that these uh Blu-ray features were uh perhaps fluff or just thrown in there, sort of an afterthought, um, and that nothing interesting could be found. I was wrong. Um, what ends up happening is there's a there's so the categories of the special effects featurettes are creature design and characters. Um, And so today we'll be talking about creature and design, but there's actually really interesting information and actually a lot of work went into each of these individual documentaries. You can tell Um, they just have all of this footage that's behind the scenes footage from the making of the film that really replaces any kind of, you know, actual invite to the set on, you know, during filming. Like, you just see so much about how these films were technically and creatively conceived and executed. And so actually, for that reason, they're very worthwhile.
0: Yeah, and it reminded me just how big of a role the beasts played. I mean, when they go through in that intro, the Meet the mm-hmm. Fantastic Beasts intro, you see all the creatures that they kicked around. yeah. Uh, with various concept art and there's so many of them uh and i feel like when i was watching this i was thinking to myself like that's really cool and all but i feel like these these films are going to be getting darker and and connect less to beasts and this is going to feel like the first harry potter movie in hindsight
2: once we get to movie five because i think all these
0: creatures are going to play such a small role i could be wrong but
2: sobering thought yeah, but, no, I mean, they have footage of this, uh, I guess, a table read or something. David Yates is there, Heyman, everybody, um, you know, talking about Beasts. Sort of once they had the script, to, for the most part, worked out, talking about what Beasts would be in this movie and which Beasts would, you know, not make the cut. And also they had concept artists. I mean, these people, in order for this art to exist, they get paid to to draw these things. And, you know, there's, know. as Andrew said, like, there's an entire montage of Concept art for beasts that we will never see, um, you know, in these films because there were so many of them. Well, extended super deluxe Fantastic Beasts edition. Well, I mean, I I, uh, I just one beast in particular stuck out. Yeah. One beast in particular stuck out, which was uh, it's like an iceberg on top, but it's like a whale beast on bottom. You've seen this, James? I was into that, too.
1: Yeah, that, i i wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing that in a future film. Actually, that one that one was really interesting.
2: I mean, yeah. what if that's what sunk the Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say we just hit the anniversary, actually, of that. Happened, oh yeah, so. I saw the retweet. Yeah, the live. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, so so the Meet the Fantastic Beasts is a four minute, uh, eighteen second thing. That's at the beginning of the uh, Creatures documentary, and and yeah, the the big highlight of that is seeing just all of the concept art for the beasts. Um, but by far and la- by and large, by far and large, I'm messing with my words. By and large, by and large, the MVPs of the creature segments. Um, so all the ones that follow through Bowtruckle, Demiguise, Arrumpent, Niffler, Akami, and Thunderbird um, are, in fact, the puppeteers. I hope you guys feel the same way. Mm. But there's these puppeteers that they had on the set of Fantastic Beasts and they recreated creatures large and small. So you see um with the Bowtruckle with Pickett, they had, you know, just a few sticks to move him but he had sort of full flexibility. And then as large as the Erumpent when you have like basically PVC steel pipe uh you know like with a lightweight huge actually Erumpent sized uh thing that you wear to be the irumpant and to to help the computers and to help David Yates line up the shot. They actually had, you know, sort of a steel pipe version of the irumpant, um, you know, that, which was actual size was actually to scale. And these puppeteers are able to, they just harness themselves into it and they're able to, I guess, bring life to a very dead non animated thing. Mm -hmm. And I think it helped the actors out a lot too, because I believe
3: it was Eddie Redbane said he thought that when he heard initially he was going to be doing so much work with beasts that there was going to be a lot of green screen time involved, and I'm I'm sure there was, but I think he was shocked by just how much almost real life interaction there was between his character and the other characters and the beasts that are in this film. So to your point about having these puppeteers that are you know, literally trying to act as if they are the beasts is probably not something that um you know you're used to seeing. I think a lot of it is usually just done uh and I'm not as familiar with uh how you know films are created, but I would think a lot of it is done uh via green screen and c g i
2: yeah, I mean, in the errumpant segment, Eddie says uh here's a quote from him, we did have these amazing puppeteers, and they would be doing these sort of sniffing noises and kind of flirting. So <laughs> the people, the puppeteers who were playing the rumpet in that mating scene were actually like actively flirting, doing beast courtship noises back to Eddie. And that was what he had to play off of. Um, so I, I, I interesting think job, I think we yeah, have right. I just think that's such yeah. an interesting idea. If you watch these guys across these films, uh, across these little documentary things, um, they're they're just endlessly talented. So honey, what did you
3: do at work today? Oh, I um did the meeting <laughs> call. The aroma.
2: I snorted <laughs> and grunted at Oscar-winning actor Eddie Redmayne as a beast, and he was trying to woo me. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what's funny? Because they never say exactly uh, what the puppeteer department is like. If they, it's a company that they hired to bring these guys in, they just say we brought in the puppeteers. But two of them, uh, the woman who has the um ticket botruckle her name pops up at one point and it's avier leventus uh and the guy who was mainly behind the rumpant is robin guiver uh and he's also he's the one you see most of all uh running through all the different sets as different beasts like the demigods and stuff and uh his title is supervising creature puppeteer um but yeah like they were probably that... hired for the whole film i would guess because obviously
0: beasts play a big role in this movie. So I don't think they would like, I I imagine they were
2: on set all the time. Almost all the time. Yeah, for sure. And And, I think it's just that extra layer of detail. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, um, I was going to say they probably, they may have been involved in the Harry Potter film series as well. That's true. But, but Um, speaking of Harry Potter, um, I liked the Demi guys segment because we hear from JK Rowling say, uh, that you can make an invisibility cloak from the pelt of a demi guys, which is why they are hunted. And yeah. I thought that was a nice little tie into the Harry Potter series. And they included a clip from when uh, Ron, uh, Harry tries on the invisibility cloak for the first time, and Ron's like, "That's an invisibility cloak! Whoa!"
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is that
1: new? Inf- is that new information uh, that uh-huh. the demi I think it was in to me.
2: I think it was in Fantastic Beasts, the original book. Um, oh right, okay. But, but I mean, J.K. Rowling saying it, and this is the whole thing about these docu- – the, the other thing about these featurettes. J.K. Rowling will comment on each of the beasts, how she feels about them, uh, like, and oca- occasionally yeah. you do get new information. Um, like yeah. she says the Demi guys is her favorite. Now, I looked. I watched all the other featurettes. She does not say other creatures are also her favorite, so. (laughs) Oh, okay, because when I was watching this, it did did
0: seem like she was like, this is my favorite. This is my favorite. Or maybe I was just confusing it with the other people
2: Uh, Okay. I think
0: Eddie Redmayne was saying that, too.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, each of them had their different favorites. Well, uh, J.K. Rowling did say for the Niffler, if you don't love the Niffler, there's something wrong with you. There's just something wrong with you. (laughs) <laughs> so. please buy the stuffed animal <laughs> please buy the stuffed
3: animal
1: you know, oh there is one I'm, now I, it just became available I know
3: James so far who has the better British accent
2: Eric or Andrew
1: British um, accent yeah, well attempted oh. British
2: accent I wasn't really trying <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh I was going to say Eric <laughs> thank you
2: thank you <laughs> you could do it better with improvement um, the Niffler stuffed animal though guys the, This was the. this was what blew me away Okay, all this filmmaking technology, they now it's not like they can turn a tennis ball on a stick into something bigger like Dobby, which they did mention. The tennis ball totally gets a shout out in one of these uh, featurettes. But um, they can actually take now something that's there and replace it. So Newt uh, Eddie was actually in the Niffler segment. You can see this. He actually had a stuffed Niffler sort of doll thing that when he's tickling the Niffler, he's actually, you know, tickling uh, a stuffed thing that he's holding. And what, what just shocked me because they're actually able to, to remove that object. So it's not just removing wire work anymore. It's removing actual puppets. Um, and in the case of like the, uh, the Thunderbird, there was like the guy, I think it was that Robin guy. There's just a guy hidden behind the head. It's a giant like sort of uh, plaster Face like a cast face of the bird, and it's this guy that just hangs behind it and kind of moves it up and down a little bit. But you, you're able to take more out than what's there, so it's not like you have like something smaller and you just layer something on top of it. They're actually able to replace entirely what's there, which I don't know how they do it. It's really cool. Yeah,
3: i I think
2: what I took away from this, and really what I took away from
3: all the segments, and and I feel like I should know it, just given how. Um, much time and and attention we pay to these films is is the level of detail um, and the amount Mm. of energy and effort that goes into creating all of these characters Um, I was blown away by it and I know we'll talk more about you know the the sets uh, a a little bit later on but it's pretty amazing Uh, and and you know just to kind of wrap up you were talking about the Thunderbird and J.K. Rowling had said that she wanted to have one thing that was quintessentially American. And, but this movie is set in America. You know, I, I, I what did you think of that statement? Just one well, thing? Well, for
0: her, since she's, well, I mean, since she is overseas, I guess it, it, you know, she feels like she needs to create something quintessentially America. And they're filming overseas so as well. Mm-hmm. So I... Well, were were you bothered by that comment? Is that what you're saying? Well, I guess like what my, was
3: your issue? My question would be then: Are none of the other beasts that were in this film, and and I have to ah. go back and look at all their descriptions and and where right. they're from? Are none of them um, American? You know, you would think that, given that we are in New York, we would have run into a few more that. Right, you know, we they instead all come from News Case, don't they? The lion, the ostrich, and the hippo mm. that break out from the Central Park Zoo. Um so <laughs> I, I'm I don't know. I, I just I, I like the fact I think, that she wanted I to think, include it,
0: but I think she wanted to just remind us of America. Really really connect one of the creatures with America and of uh, course Arizona. the bald eagle is Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the bald eagle is America's Oh, what's the word? Not mascot. <laughs> the bald I, eagle yeah. represents America, and uh, we think of birds that way. I think iconic birds that way. I don't but, know. I'm trying to I'm come just, up with now that it for I her. think
3: about it, though. It's it's interesting <laughs> that we don't run into any other beasts that are. I mean, I think American what we do when
2: you're in America, America, but you're in a Aren't you're in a major urban setting. Yeah, you're in a major yeah, urban setting. True. And also the 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 creatures of the age were hunted. I mean, I think that's why, why Newt was writing the book to begin with um, is because he wants to inform his fellow wizards that, you know, you don't need to kill these creatures. I think it's said between Tina and Newt at one point that a lot of these creatures, a lot of the creatures they're finding are just, you know, shoot on sight. Like there's no regulation for actually protecting the livelihood of these beasts. So, frankly, as depressing as it is to think about this, I bet any of the beasts that were native to New York have probably been all killed off uh, by wizards not wanting to break their much more serious statute of secrecy. So, all the all the animals are dead. <laughs> um, Good place to end it. Yeah, there was one more thing though, uh, which was again about the level of detail. But there was uh, the scene in the Academy within the, um, the with the Akami and the Demi guys, and that whole running around, I guess, the attic of the of the department store. Um, you know, Eunice Hutheart is the name of this girl, uh, this woman who's the stunt coordinator, and she is shown running through, like, she had to show the actors, again, there's nothing there, but in terms of fight sequences, having to coordinate where you fall and where you, like, dash, and things are being destroyed, it's just amazing the level of intricate detail they're able to both uh do themselves and show the actors sort of how and where to fall to hit each mark so that the creature can later be put in and it's just again these documentaries the Occamy one uh you know really showcases the the stunts um and the stunt aspect of it and it's all very dangerous like you see Allison Sudol have to like fall pretty much on her face so that and then Jacob is like right behind her Dan Fogler's also running and then he jumps sort of over her and like has to not step on her and then he runs mm-hmm. off and then she looks up and is laughing hysterically like <laughs> it's just you get the sense of how much fun it was but also like how much actual work went into making this a reality alright design so here we got uh, the most new information I think as to how these sets what the concepts were what the sets were actually they they interviewed uh, Stuart Craig for this segment, who is just a really cool Aww, dude, Stewart. Stewart. I mean, he is the man He's involved with the Harry Potter movies as well. And the theme he, park. Yeah. So he is, he is behind it all. Um, and really like it, it, it shows they built New York city. So there's a whole thing on, on New York. Um, but they ended up having blocks and blocks and blocks of actual city blocks of New York city designed. You'd never know it from watching the film. Um, Mm. because it's just it's you take it for granted that there's like a background to a lot of the shots. Um, But just seeing this documentary, which the New York one is seven minutes long, um, they show all the storefronts and newspaper clippings and uh, they talk about the retro cars and the extras. Oh, my God. The extras are our our favorite person uh, in the world. The costume designer, Colleen Atwood, uh, is talking all the time in each of these documentaries about designing extras. And and there's another guy from the costume department as well, who talks about having to clothe, you know, up to 200 extras at once and having to basically police them that none of them have like their wristwatches or cell phones or, you know, anything that somehow shifts between the time of their costume fitting and the time that the camera's rolling. And it's just it's a massive, massive undertaking.
0: Um, and it's good that they use live. Now, of course, a lot of, this, a lot of it is still green screened and whatnot, but a lot mm. of it is still digital. But it is good that they still try to create physical sets wherever possible because too often in Hollywood now, they're relying on green screens. And mm. there's just nothing like some good old fashioned physical sets. Star Wars The Force Awakens was applauded a lot for using... Physical sets and props mm. instead of digital stuff, like mm-hmm. you know, making BB-8 like actually real. And uh, of course, none of these creatures in Fantastic Beasts are real, but um, it's nice to see Stuart
3: Craig talk about creating real, real physical sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, yeah. one thing that I I really liked was when they started to get into the actual creation of New York. Um, you know, there's not much left from the 1920s, and I think. That that is part of why they made the decision to go and and rebuild it, and uh, they said something like fifteen in. weeks, right? To to yeah. to do this, and you know, they took the Woolworth Building, um, you know, and and they recreated the whole thing, not just the exterior, obviously, but then having to go in and create the interior of of Macusa. So, I, I mean, this blew me away. This was the one part of the entire. Uh, special features that I was just floored by watching the amount of time, um, the amount of detail that went into creating this. I mean, to, to think you basically reconstructed a part of New York. Um, I remember J.K. <laughs> Rowling is going there for the first time. She's being driven, and then all of a sudden they turn this corner out in a field in, in, at Leavesden Studios, and there is
2: 1920s New York. Um, mm-hmm. uh, to me, that that's pretty damn impressive. Yeah, they 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 talk about it being like it's just New York today would be impossible to control and and you'd need permits and all sorts of stuff to film. And then what you'd be filming would be such of a, a of a lower quality in terms of what you're going for because you can't, you know, control the environment. So what they did was again, fifteen weeks, like you said, they said at, at one point there were a hundred and four carpenters, ninety plasterers, forty painters, thirty riggers, scenic artists, sculptors, uh and it was just a big big crew they built new york with like hundreds of guys to do this and they did it in 15 weeks i mean if you wonder why these films that are always so major blockbuster cost hundreds of millions of dollars it's because of stuff like this like it's it's it all the work that it takes and the amount of people the sheer amount of people that you need to create something that you know Eddie points this out in a later documentary too. It's like it will never show up on film. Um, you know, it will never be like he's talking about raiding the sets and going through drawers and things, and there's stuff in the drawers. There's no way it can ever be on camera because it's in the drawers. Uh Mina Lima wrote newspaper clippings and pretty much every every book or every clipping that you could ever possibly even locate, uh, had full fleshed out stories. And I mean, that's the kind of stuff I wanna read personally. Like I want a whole you know, film encyclopedia like they did with the um page to screen uh books and 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 the like. But it's just all this content exists that these artisans and designers are creating and it's really informing and building the world. And at one point it go it goes way beyond just the writer director at you know principal cast. It goes into this whole art of movie making, which is what this these design featurettes showcase like. And how all of the extras and all the costumes and everything kind of has to come together and go off without a hitch in order for it to work. Mm-hmm. James, what did you think?
1: Uh, I think the I think the sets are absolutely incredible in this film. Like, um, especially the um, the New York one. Like, yeah. I sort of keep forgetting that that is a set because it just seems to go on forever.
0: <laughs> so. I yeah. hope that visually things are really shaken up for the next movie. Now, it's not set in New York, so that's one good positive. But I just mm-hmm. found all the sets and the color in the movie to be very dry. Uh, like, I guess Newt's suitcase was, was a colorful area, but it was just all very dark. And I would like to see something a little a little brighter, a little more colorful. A
1: little more vibrant when we get to Paris. Yeah,
2: yeah. You I hope it so. It will be?
1: Mm, possibly, yeah.
2: The thing that you notice while, while looking at these set documentaries is a lot of it was filmed in bright daylight when there was more sun and the films were later color corrected and changed to be darker and blander Mm -hmm. in, in, on the color spectrum. I think that's, that's the real sad part of it all um, is that they're going for mood and theme, but they're actually muting a lot of these vibrant colors um, Mm -hmm. that, that do exist on the set. So I noticed that in particular with New York, um and again new york is just like tracking shots they're walking from one place to another it's not a lot of time spent you know on the streets but it's still you have to create it because there's always going to be something in back and you know on hd cameras it picks up everything like you just have to control everything so they rebuilt it and that was you know but
3: to go to a point i think eric that you made earlier sort of the the overall tone of this film when you when you're in the united states in this particular period of time it's not supposed to be vibrant and happy you know you get that sense very early on so
0: yeah i, I understand i, I know other yeah, reflected the
1: mood really nicely yeah
2: it's it's not going to be sorcerer's stone right where you know it's i want it to be i do i do <laughs> really genuinely want it to be though um
3: i i yeah You're you're gonna get the chance. It sounds like to be back at Hogwarts in the next uh, movie, (laughs) so maybe that'll be. (laughs) We're going back to
2: Hogwarts.
1: Gotta get back to Hogwarts. Sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I can't imagine Hogwarts being that colorful around the 1920s, but we'll see. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. Certainly, at least before colors. Let's talk about Makuza real quick. Um, Interestingly. The approach here was to get rid of all the offices in the in the whole building, which is why the atrium is so large um, because they liked the big structure of the outside uh, but I think it's um, Stuart Craig says um, the chief decision was to eliminate the floors he's talking about the upper floors, the part that make it a skyscraper uh, so that the lobby level is just open space. all the windows are exposed and it's just this vast cathedral of light then there are basement floors where all the work is done and the farther down you go the more menial the work the more dreadful the conditions um
0: it's yeah kind I mean, of funny tina's
2: work area was
0: really i still don't really understand it it's just a sad area to be working and it's so tight it looks like low ceilings yeah. everybody's cramped on top of each other it's very dark One um permit it was office. an interesting design i just personally would hate being there yeah
1: Almost sort of feels no almost it sort of feels like the wiz- the wizards are kind of imprisoned in this yeah um, little office in New York, which is kind of what they are, I suppose
2: I think it's yeah. how the ministry works, right isn't the ministry also sort of underground um with mm. artificial lighting because there's also like there's also the allegory or the metaphor of um you know the wizards having to be underground to begin with, like they work underground because as a movement they're underground uh, they're hidden they're hidden away from the world uh, yeah. That but, that's a
0: good point. So maybe by the end of the series, they'll be working above ground with large windows, <laughs> lots of
3: natural light, but lots of color. Got the sense though, in the ministry, there was a lot of secrets. <clears throat> excuse me, that were below ground, and and I think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, you know, when we when we go into Umbridge's office, we're able to look out onto sort of the atrium of the ministry, and so yeah, and in that moment when um. Is it? It's Voldemort who kind of shatters all the windows. Yeah. There was definitely more of a sense of having offices that kind of went uh, up inside the ministry, uh, whereas this does feel a little bit darker and and a little bit more as if these people are doing these menial tasks and and so I don't know. I I, I did also get um, kind of two reminders of the ministry. One was the. It was it a tapestry of Serafina? Reminded me of, of Fudge, um from one of the films. Mm. And then also mm. the statue. Um the, the memorial to the witches of Salem was um very similar to the the fountain in uh in the ministry.
2: You know, it's funny you mentioned the the portrait of Serafina uh because there's actually a, a documentary part feature at on the Shaw banquet which again it's like this scene where it goes by really quick in the film um you know where the Obscurus invades and kills uh Henry Shaw Jr um but that actor is actually <laughs> that actor talks about that that tapestry that big big banner <laughs> um that's behind him when he's speaking yeah, and here's a I quote from this. him Yeah, yeah. He says, with all the detail, uh, it it makes you easier to feel you're giving a real speech. There's a 50-foot poster of my face. The first couple days, I really just assumed they must have had some great printer or whatever. And then second or third day, I looked at it and was like, that's really incredible detail. And I noticed it was canvas. And I saw it look like a paintbrush. So I went to David and I was like, did somebody paint that? And he started laughing and said, yeah. Someone hung it out in a studio with a photo and hand-painted my face 50 feet. It's huge, and it's funny. And then he says, my mom would like it. Um, so, I mean, that's a real 50-foot painting of this peripheral character in this movie who's a senator or running for, you know, and and that's just something that was there and something that exists now. And getting back to Makuza, like the level of detail in the the sort of Wizards UN scene... Um, where there's hundreds and hundreds of extras just from from different, uh, you know, countries and everything. The Seraphine actress says, every extra could have been the leading man or lady. They were exquisite and everyone looked different. Mm. There was nothing repeated. And um, Dan Fogler says, the day that we did that scene, I was just so happy. It was so much fun. We had some really goofy looking people. We stepped out of the box just a little bit, just to have a little humor in the group. Oh, Atwood said that. Dan Fogler says, you're basically standing at the Wizards UN, and I just stood there going, oh my God, I want every single one of these action figures. Yeah, Um, It's a collector's dream, uh, but really it's a set and prop designer's paradise, I think, um, because they're just able to do everything they ever wanted to do, indulge on every whim. Yeah. And you see why that
3: uh, Colleen Atwood won an Oscar uh for uh the the costume design. And quite honestly, after seeing this, I'm very surprised that Stuart Craig didn't win. Uh I forget which film won in that category, probably La La Land, but I, I'm I'm guessing a lot of movies do stuff like this, but my mind was just blown away watching the level of detail. Like Eric earlier you were talking about how you open up a drawer and in there is a newspaper clipping, but the newspaper clipping is actually it has real words. It's not just a bunch of gibberish that's written down there. And but it's well, it could be gibberish. Oh, it's like Latin or something. I, I don't, <laughs> don't think
0: you know
2: they're revealing norm. anything particularly they, interesting or special. New York in York City. City.
3: <laughs> I mean,
2: I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean the big the big example the big example is the Blind Pig, right? The Speakeasy. They did like a version of a piano that doesn't exist normally. Like it's an upright grand piano. There's upright baby grand pianos, and they did an upright grand piano just for that scene. It's like, let's let's get an instrumentation. Yeah, I mean, or, this is – yeah. I agree mm-hmm. it's all very cool, but let's also remember it's their job to do this. So I'm
0: impressed, They don't have to excel
2: like, at it so well, I think is the whole yeah.
0: What? Yes, they point. do. It's their job
2: to do that. <laughs> no, I'm just saying if on the
3: surface you watch this movie, you would never take away the things that we're talking about right now.
0: Right. And and I think when I was offering my review of the studio tour a few weeks ago, I was kind of saying similar things. Like the nice thing about the studio tour, just like these featurettes is that you really get to appreciate the detail that goes into a lot of this stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was La, yeah. La La Land, by the way, it was La it La, was. La Land.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> good guess. Thanks for looking at it up, James. <laughs> um, yeah. Th- so really just in general, lots of good people saying a lot of good things. Uh, the design featurettes take up a total time of 12, closer to 45 minutes, actually. So it's, there's a lot there. And, um, you do it's hear a lot it. from, from, from Ron Perlman. You get to see Ron Perlman in his motion capture, I guess, helmet with all like the pins and needles, um, on his face measuring the movement. And it's just, it is cool that they, they had him actually in the scene acting with the actors, too. Yeah. That it surprised just, me. I didn't actually expect that. Yeah. Um, so it's all, all really interesting. Um and Eddie <laughs> again there's some humor from all of the cast. There is time spent reminiscing. Um, but Eddie said something to the wor- the effect of um the few seconds that he filmed his own wanted poster. He said were the mm-hmm. happiest. Uh, small but brilliant Aww. moment in his life. Yeah. Um Aww. I want so, I want a wanted poster. I want a wanted poster. You gotta be able to get your own wizard wanted poster. Um, Snapchat filter, there for you Fantastic Beasts too. There or you just go. Just for
3: for the Wizarding World down in Orlando. Um, one one thing I just oh yeah now that would be some. a good photo opportunity. Don't to, they to have, have with a, this
0: don't they have a show? photo opportunity at Gringotts?
3: You mm-hmm. can you can save it to your camera roll and then you can print it on a canvas and have it sent to you. You can hang that's it on true. your wall. Yeah, canvas people, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it won't move, Uh, but it won't move. One thing I just wanted to bring up that J.K. Rowling said, um, it was during the Newt's Magical Case segment, because it was about Newt, um, talking about the the concept initially for the suitcase was, um, Mm. Eric, you noted the first concept was sort of like an Eden, and J.K. Rowling said that it was a little bit too epic. Um, the key thing that unlocked the design direction was Newt's not that good of a wizard. He's magical, but within certain realms. He's not an infinitely powerful wizard that can create these massive universal sort of biospheres. And I'm glad you pointed that out. I wonder, because of him not being this infinitely powerful wizard, uh, is that going to play into future films? And if
2: so, How? Right, like he alone is no match for Grindelwald. Right, his suitcase
3: um, is like it's it's like a you get a feeling of, for who he is as a character. It's it's kind of patchwork, right? It's it's not. Yeah, it's that, not.
1: That's really appropriate to new. I think.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I agree, but that, yeah, but that's the whole point, I guess. Like a bigger wizard, or like if Dumbledore were doing it, he could create like entire. Almost planets uh which is like sort of what what they start talking about um you know the original concepts were going to be fully developed atmospheres, this that, the other thing. what you end up getting is like a zoo exhibit, you get like lots of you know pine ramps uh all made of wood that are like hashed together, and there's there's real genius and magic there, but ultimately newt newt's primary concern is is the beasts themselves and the well being and so you know you can still see like curtains hanging that are like they're still environmental you still see the sky and it feels real but it's not at all to the level of what you imagine a, a greater wizard could could be able to do um i i, I think fantastic it's
0: beast 2 nude goes to dumbledore and says look i need a <laughs> planet to put these on because i <laughs> Grindelwald's gonna ruin this world i need to move them somewhere safer than my than my ratty suitcase
2: yeah i mean the other thing too is that um you know newt not being the world's greatest wizard I, I think that foreshadows you know if grindelwald and he are ever to duel i mean newt does not actually newt alone does not stand a chance i think that much is clear like mm-hmm. there were a lot of aurors that helped graves be subdued before newt faced off with him in fantastic beasts one and i think that in the future he's going to need to rely on all of his friends because you know newt's just got other passions and the passions are the beasts and tina and Tina. All right. So to wrap this up,
0: um, what what missing features, what, what special features
2: are missing that we would like to see? So the first thing that I noticed, and I was actually really disappointed in this uh, when I got the Blu-ray, was there was no commentary track. That is um, surprising because they did that for some of the Harry Potter movies. I just think it would be a natural sort of guided experience for even J.K. Rowling. You know, to to be on a document and just for two hours during the movie say whatever comes to her mind or sticks out with her. And the fact that this did not occur uh, speaks more to concealing, you know, future surprises than any – than J.K. Rowling just not being interested or available. I think very clearly what we're getting on this Blu-ray as a whole is a very solid series of making ofs that offers next to no insight into – The revelation that there's going to be five of these films. I think that there are a couple of comments, again, also in the characters um, section, which we aren't talking about yet, uh, about, you know, different characters and their ideas. But I really just wanted, you know, a commentary track because that is sort of the most useful where you're watching the scene and then finding out all about it as it's happening. Without that, you get fun side stories that that jog their memories when they're when they're recording. Exactly. The without without that, it just seems a bit like you're jumping around a lot in the plot and in the story and that sort of thing. And so a commentary really brings that together. And then also the Harry Potter Blu-rays in particular, Warner Brothers was testing out that maximum movie mode. Uh, and I think oh, the last cares is about that. Remember that? No, you remember. Do you guys actually watch this, though? Did you watch any I of the I think it was movie a... mode? I don't know that I've ever watched one. It's really good. It's yeah, like
1: they, commentary. Yeah, they were really good on the last two, especially. Yeah.
2: Yeah. James, talk yeah, about it a little bit if you can.
1: Um, yeah. Well, they um, uh, what they did with um, four or five. Um, well, actually, on the ultimate editions, almost all of them up to six had sort of picture in picture boxes where like Chris Columbus or someone would come up and say in this scene, we did this. Um but in seven and eight they actually created this really cool feature which just sort of went in and out of the film and actors would come in and just talk through uh different sections and they'd show screen tests and the like. And it, it was really it was really well done.
2: Yeah. Like and, I don't know,
1: like, it yeah, seems a like they put the deleted scenes
0: back in and things like that. To me. Mm-hmm. Well see, okay, a cut of the film with the deleted scenes added back in. That's cool. And I wish that they would have included something like that in this.
1: Well, oh, actually, uh, um, there is, I don't know if this is available in the US, there's actually, you can get an app called uh, WB Access All Areas. Do you guys know about this? No. Okay, what what you can do with that is uh, you can actually sync up your digital copy of the film to that, and then you can actually watch Fantastic Beasts with kind of a um, maximum movie mode feature. So you watch oh. the film and it brings up bits of trivia um, as you watch it.
2: Oh. oh, okay. And so
1: it's kind of the digital version of maximum movie mode. It's actually really cool.
2: Well, see, just seeing seeing how the progression occurred in the latest Harry Potter films, um, I really did expect and was shocked to not find a maximum movie mode of Fantastic Beasts. Like, I would have liked it to rubbed, on a disc, yeah. it, the fact that it doesn't exist rubs me the wrong way. Um, because again, I I think there's just this air of secrecy over what's coming next, and you know, I, I, so if we're talking about features we would have liked to have seen, that's the top of my list. Yeah, I would I would say though and and this
3: may go to your point of of secrecy uh not even a commentary or or a maximum movie mode but just a conversation uh of sorts between jk rowling david Yates, david Heyman, like have them literally in the same room talking Together. about the launch yeah. of fantastic beasts and
1: watching it live. yeah,
3: yeah i i i think that that was the, the, missing too i i I would just like to learn a little bit more, and I feel like they're not doing that because they don't want to give away what is to come potentially. Probably.
0: and Can you blame them? Uh, But they did that at the end of the Harry Potter film series. They had J.K. Rowling one-on-one with Dan Radcliffe and then another one-on-one interview with – who's the screenwriter? Uh, Steve Clovis. Steve Clovis. Yeah, I remember that one, yeah. Those were really, really good, so maybe yeah. it'll do that again towards the end of this series in like the year three thousand <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, another thing that was missing was bloopers,
2: yeah and...
1: oh, there was um actually, one of the features had um the part where um where Newt puts the lid on the teapot, there was actually a part where he breaks the teapot. Oh he breaks the teapot.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I <laughs> did see that. That was uh, yeah, because so he's gotta one, yeah. he's gotta run across again, like the jumping over debris, and then the Tina actress is like sliding on her knees and they have to meet in the middle to put the the, the lid on the teapot and uh yeah, <laughs> it breaks and they just they have to go get another teapot. Um <laughs> But uh there were moments of humor, but not a dedicated, you know, blooper reel or flood reel blooper reel right and actually and, and
0: maybe they're probably just saving it for the special features yeah. like some upgraded edition down the road of the blu-ray
2: i will say dan fogler absolutely shines in any one of these documentaries like before mm-hmm. takes before somebody calls action he's mm-hmm. singing he's dancing he's walking around with a big smile on his face uh, you could tell that he was having the most fun uh while on set
0: and and to Eddie Redmayne. They both seemed like really passionate on set, which I thought was super cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So those are our thoughts on a big chunk of the Fantastic Beasts Blu-ray special features. I um, hope you enjoyed uh, going through them. We definitely recommend you watch them yourself because you just see a lot going all the way back to the start of this discussion on the the creature concept art you see so much concept art I'm kind of surprised by how much they actually showed because and and rejected creatures like that iceberg one which was cool yeah. as hell <laughs> agreed and there's a lot that they talk about that we didn't actually talk about today so check it out and mm-hmm. uh I, I didn't mention this at the beginning of this segment but I, I did buy the digital version and it is cool to um, it's really easy to browse the special features <laughs> on the digital version. Yeah, you know, with the DVD, you gotta click through, and the menus are kind of annoying. Oh, the first one,
1: <laughs> the first DVD. Do you
0: remember that? Oh, that was oh, awful. You had to solve a riddle. That was a you had to classic. Go, you, had to go, you
1: had to choose the right potion and press the right brick
0: <laughs> to yeah, see the deleted scenes. The brick scenes. order. Yeah, <laughs> you had to get the brick brick order right to do deleted scenes. That was so cool. <laughs> I I I think I, I still I loved have it. I when I was nine. Nice. <laughs> right or you can just <laughs> cheat and buy the vhs and just skip to after the credits and that's where they were on the oh VHS i didn't even know that <laughs> oh
1: yeah. darn it i didn't know that was an option okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no the brick thing was cool like why don't they bring stuff like that back make them fun
2: just give me the content uh, just give me the
0: content <laughs> yeah. no well put it behind a br- the brick wall was perfect because the brick wall in the first movie so you had to do that code. God was, knows how people actually figured yeah. out the code. Did you have to go on
2: Google and, like, visit Bubblonet to find out? Well, it was pretty bad because that was, was back on when, like, <laughs> Yeah, it was back when the number buttons did things, and you had to, like... It was awful. Like, it was just awful. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, for those of you playing at home, uh, there was a... Ma- uh, the the only category of, of Blu-ray special features we haven't touched on is the category of characters. And I will bring this up because... It's actually the most spoilers for future films can be found in the characters section, and I have to say, it's be- the reason we didn't oh. talk about it yet is because it's going to be a part of our upcoming character-focused discussions on MuggleCast. Excellent. So uh, that's they the reason they spoil the future. What? We didn't. I well, are hinting at the hinting at the future
0: hinting? Yeah.
2: In the future? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. There's there are okay. some legit like spoilers for the future in, in All I right. I was shocked. Okay. All right. I was shocked. Eric Eric is Eric is shocked. Well, I'm gonna have to go back and watch <laughs> it again then. <laughs> I'm shaken. Um but we're gonna be doing so uh we're gonna be dedicating uh main discussions to some of the characters of Fantastic Beasts coming up. And so we'll use okay. information found uh in the in the deleted scenes as part of that uh or not deleted scenes, the bonus features as part of that discussion.
0: And we'll do a commentary at some point as well, and that'll count as an episode or maybe two episodes, because that's going to take <laughs> a lot of time. Yeah, we not sure. We'll make it one file, but mm-hmm. um, that might consume two weeks of episodes. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um. To wrap up the show, we have a couple voicemails. Here's a follow-up from last week. Hey, this is Ryan. Uh, I'm just finished up the last podcast I'll upload, and... I'm the fellow that y'all said she talked to some I uh, actually went and became a Patreon because, uh, just because I wanted to hear it. And I got to say, Micah, not too shabby, man. <laughs> I've heard a lot of really bad Southern accents, and yes, you actually did a pretty good one, man. Got to give it to you.
3: Uh,
0: like what y'all doing? keep it up. Bye. I like this guy. Okay, so his name is Ron. Ron
3: yeah, no, thank you. I, I yeah, actually just did follow-up call. Yeah, I just did the most recent uh, chapter reading which was chapter 10 uh in Chamber of Secrets the Rogue Bludger. And unfortunately Hagrid does not make an appearance uh in that chapter. So I'm I'm hoping uh in the next chapter I do that he'll be there. But you okay. were you did like a sassy dobby instead. <laughs> no, uh, uh, no uh, um an arrogant uh, Lockhart which
2: isn't much Oh, of a arrogant stretch. Lockhart, yeah, yeah. Uh, That (laughs) chapter reading is coming soon. Uh, I'm going to do some editing, and then we'll get it up on our Patreon feed. But uh, hopefully, Ron, we did answer your question
3: from last week, which I think was about purchasing uh, on on Amazon.uk, right? Co.uk. Co.uk, yeah. yeah. Actually,
0: a quick correction. On the show, I said search for Philosopher's Stone House Edition. Replace house with whatever house you're looking for. So search for Philosopher's Stone Gryffindor Edition or Slytherin Edition. On Amazon.co.uk, and that's how you will find them. James, did you pre-order your house edition?
1: Uh, I haven't actually. No. <gasps> well,
0: I guess you can just walk into a bookstore and get it yourself. Well, we no, no, haven't got that sorted. No. okay. Mm-hmm. We Americans have to pre-order so we can get it mailed over here. I'm so excited for that. They look so cool. Okay, here's one more voicemail.
2: Hey, mobile cast. This is Rachel over in New
0: York City. Huge fan, love the show, stupid listener. However, okay, got some thoughts. <laughs> the show is my guilty pleasure. I mean, I don't feel guilty, but it's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> no guilt necessary. However, I get all annoyed with everyone thinking that Dumbledore and Grindelwald didn't actually have a relationship. I kind of feel like they were a thing. And everyone cheapening in their relationship, making it seem like it was unrequited, Kind of bummed me out. Like, I like to think that they were, like, a thing. And Is that pervy? I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> also, I think Jude Law is too pretty to be Dumbledore. No fancy to door. I'm sure he's an attractive man, but Jude Law is really pretty. Okay, those are my thoughts. You guys are awesome. Love you much. Have a good night. Bye. All right. Thank you, Rachel. I don't know why she called herself a stupid listener at the beginning.
3: Uh, I, I thought,
0: Is that's that, what that good old New York? I thought
3: she said, New York... uh, thought she New said York super, super, not stupid. Super,
2: super listener.
0: I heard stupid and the the voicemail
2: transcription says stupid as well, so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Google Voice. We're going
2: to side with Google Voice here. Uh, But uh, (laughs) no, no, Jude Law, look, you can always take a pretty actor and make him look less pretty. I don't think you can do the opposite. So I think it's better that they cast a very pretty actor uh, in the role for no particular reason.
0: she was also wondering if if the love was unrequited. She thinks mm-hmm. but it, it was, wasn't it? Don't we know that for sure? Yeah, JK Didn't Rowling Dumbledore have feelings for Grindelwald, but not the other way around.
3: I think that's
2: what it was, yeah. yeah um, and
3: and I thought that you know, we we've spoken about this a little bit on the on the show is that the the way that he interacts with Credence in the first film in in could be laying a foundation for his manipulative nature in terms of how he's able to draw people in, um, and I think oh. that you know that it could be. I'm not saying that it is, and, and it could very well be a, a relationship between the two of them. But I think that just knowing Grindelwald's character and and what we've heard from J.K. Rowling, it seems like it's going to be more of him taking advantage of the situation than anything else. Mm-hmm. But I, I could be wrong.
0: James, what do you think uh, of uh, of the Grindelwald love or Jude yeah, Love. And, yeah, and yeah, their whole relationship.
1: Um, yeah, no, I um, I always thought that they kind of had a thing, um, and both I, of them, romantic um, possibly possibly. It's, well, we've got five movies to fill, haven't we? Um, yeah, maybe yeah. at some point. Um, yeah, no, I I thought that they kind of did in the past, and then Grindelwald fell out of interest, and then I don't know something yeah. along those lines.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe J.K. Rowling will surprise us, and maybe Grindelwald will be kicking around potential feelings for Dumbledore. Maybe he'll be unsure of his feelings towards Dumbledore, which could maybe explain it as well.
1: I feel, I, I think, feel like it has to come up in the series at some point. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah this I'd, is her chance. I yeah. mean, we we don't want to get back into this too much because we've spoken about it before. But good God, if she doesn't do anything with that, then
1: yeah, I and mean, it kind of feels like there's no excuse not to now,
0: right? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I really led the charge in the Harry Potter fandom with my feelings on Scorbis, Scorbis and my fanfiction. Yeah. fiction. And I think now I've opened up an opportunity for J.K. Rowling. So she's welcome.
2: Uh, I would just say to our to our super fan who left us this voicemail, the exact wording uh, of the Carnegie Hall uh, event uh, when she first first revealed that Dumbledore was gay and that his falling in love with Gellert Grindelwald was uh, a great tragedy of his life, the great tra- tragedy of his life. Uh, I would look for that specific wording. I can't seem to find it right here. Um, but uh, that, I think, had the most substance in terms of why people are saying that they weren't actually together together, but it was a, a an unrequited situation and maybe an abuse situation. I think that's exactly where that all comes from, is that very first transcript for interviews. She might have clarified a bit later, either on Twitter or in following interviews, but I think that's where I got the idea, um, that it was not, that it was that it was just not requited.
1: Mm. That's probably more likely, actually. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's so sad.
2: It's it's real sad. Um. So the question is, like, will Dumbledore be openly gay in the Fantastic Beasts sequels? And that's a big question people are asking. But if even if he's gay. If the only person he was ever interested in was Grindelwald, or if that was the big love of his life, we're not, are we going to see him going into gay bars in Fantastic Beasts Two <laughs> and picking up men? You know, are we going to see no. him with a, with a man on his arm? You know, as he <laughs> as he instructs Dumbledore. The, the, you know, that, that's that's how Newt's going to find him in the. At the beginning with a man of the film. on his arm, you know. I I just I don't know. Help again, because it's still it's still very hidden and it's still very um uh, such a, a not upfront aspect about Dumbledore which was sort of shoved off to the side to begin with um mm-hmm. because she was writing yeah. children's books there is a great opportunity to showcase it now that you know we're dealing with adults but i just don't think it fits the character to have him be uh, or to to that it would fit you know to just have him be op- i don't know i don't know because i support the idea but i also just don't think it'll happen uh, I think it'll mm-hmm. still be this this great relationship that was tragic and ended um, earlier, uh, and we're just going to see the fallout of sort of Dumbledore's feelings on Grindelwald. But um, there's there's as a, a possibility of... in flashbacks though to see the development of
3: the relationship uh, because I yeah. think I from a timing standpoint, him, yeah. from from like a timeline, we're we're past that, right? He's already mm. become this great, powerful, dark wizard who is being sought by the international community. So whatever transpired likely um is is in the past. So you know, I, I still think there's a lot for us to see, particularly with Dumbledore's family as well. Uh you we spent a whole episode talking about Ariana and, and maybe she is also, mm-hmm. you know, sort of interwoven into this this larger relationship between the two of them. Yeah. All right.
0: I think that does it for MuggleCast episode 316. We have a couple of housekeeping announcements to make. First of all, Micah, your little impromptu Blu-ray contest. What's going on there?
3: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, a couple episodes ago, I decided to just give away uh, a couple copies of the Fantastic (laughs) Beasts Blu-ray when uh, we set up our voicemail line. So the first patron to call in, we actually played her uh, voicemail on the show live uh, minutes after, if not seconds after she uh, she delivered it, uh, was Ashley Barnes. So, Ashley, um, we probably already have your information, but just to be safe, uh, send it over to mugglecast at gmail.com. Uh, and then for the first non-patron uh, who sent us a voicemail, and I apologize if I am messing up the name. It was a little hard to hear. It was either Divi or Didi, uh, an English teacher living in Japan. Um, send us your information same way mugglecast at gmail.com we will get the blu-ray out to you so that you have your copy um, yeah so that's the latest
0: excellent um, we have a couple of Mugglecast t-shirts still available for purchase larger size only uh, only only the larger sizes are still available see if your shirt your size is still available Uh, There's a link in the show notes on MuggleCast.com. The shirts are $22.15. That includes shipping and um, uh, U.S. only. Sorry, but U.S. only. We just want to ship these out as easy as possible. We wanted to get rid of this limited quantity remaining from our Patreon
3: benefit. Mm. So check check them out. Unless you're like Mm. James and you want to (laughs) come meet Andrew in person.
1: (laughs) I'll come to America and get (laughs) it. Yeah,
3: I'll certainly hand deliver
0: you the shirt. (laughs) You <laughs> come to me. <laughs> appearing in various places across the country this summer. So. <laughs> the Andrew delivers T-shirts tour. <laughs> 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 Sounds good to me. Our voicemail number, if you want to call in and schedule my hand delivery to you, it's one <laughs> two nine one nine two oh three Muggle. One nine two oh three M U Our email address is mugglecast at gmail.com. And let's save you some money. Go to canvaspeople.com. Free canvas. I'm not kidding. 11 by 14. Free canvas print. Get a picture of your dog. Or hell, I'll send you a picture of my dog that you can get printed. (laughs) For free. Just use code Muggle. It's a great Mother's Day gift. All you got to do is pay shipping. Use the code Muggle. Free. 11 by 14 at canvaspeople.com. Also, uh, puffs to play. See puffs to play. Off Broadway. Use yeah. code Muggle Puffs. Save ten percent. We're saving you some money. Take mom to Puffs, and then get her a canvas print of your time at Puffs. <laughs> exactly. And take her out to dinner too. Uh. She de- yeah, she deserves but get her a canvas first. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Of course, of course. Next week's episode, our moms are going to host the show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're taking a, a, a week off. Yeah.
2: Oh my god! Yeah. Can you imagine our moms together? <laughs> that would be, that'd be that, would <laughs> that would be that would be amazing they just talk about <laughs> us the whole time uh well, what
0: is a moogle cast yeah <laughs> James thanks for coming on the show we appreciate it I hope you had a fun time no problem no problem absolutely and thanks for your support over on patreon patreon.com slash muggle cast by the way if you want to become a patron and receive lots of benefits including the chance to be on Mugglecast, and uh we will see everybody next week for episode 317 goodbye Bye. Bye.